0: You're listening to episode number 84 of The Green Elephant in the Room. This is your host, Eco Rico with The Green Elephant. My girlfriend and I have taken some time off to do some bicycle touring in the western U.S., and we are thrilled to be back. Let's kick off this new season with some surprisingly good news about the planet's major urban areas. Cities can actually be good for the environment. If you thought the world was crowded now, just wait. According to the United Nations' latest projections of world population growth, the planet will add another 2 billion people over the next 30 years. By 2100, we'll be looking at an increase of more than 3 billion people, roughly 40% growth over present day levels. With billions of more mouths to feed, We will need to ramp up food and energy production dramatically at a time when ecosystems are already under strain. Fresh water demand will also surge along with metals, lumber, plastics, and all the other commodities that fill our modern lives. The driving essential question is can cities develop sustainably instead of draining natural habitats? Considering the world is already in the middle of a mass biodiversity extinction crisis, in the coming years, we're going to need to do a lot more with a lot less. So, where will all these new billions of people live? Most of them are likely to end up crammed together in increasingly populous cities. And some researchers argue that's exactly where they should be. Despite the fact that only a small percent of the total surface of the planet is occupied by cities, they are home to more than half of the world's population. What's more, 70% of greenhouse gas emissions are produced in our urban areas. One reason for this is that cities are badly designed, lacking efficient public transportation and consuming exorbitant amounts of energy. People tend to picture cities, particularly in the developing world, as urban wastelands, belching out pollution, breeding sickness, promoting endless consumption, and driving population increases. But cities also have a huge potential for getting us out of the very mess they've helped us get into. Well-designed cities with dense housing and efficient mass transit can reduce energy use and emissions per person also important are the opportunities they provide for women which puts the lid on population growth ultimately reducing the immense strain humans are putting on nature urbanization has been on the whole fairly misunderstood counterintuitive as it may sound to anyone who's ever breathed in urban smog or looked out onto a natural landscape punctuated by buildings and highways Cities are integral to this rosy vision of the future. To begin, urban areas only occupy a small fraction of the Earth's land surface, below 3%. But how is a growing majority of its population? More than half of the people in the world live in urban areas today. By 2050, the proportion will approach 70%. So, if cities are part of the problem, they should also be part of the solution. In fact, well-governed and well-planned cities can help with global challenges such as poverty and climate change. This is the opinion shared by the C40, also known as Cities Climate Leadership Group. The C40 network is a set of major cities around the world that have committed to fighting climate change. It also supports their development and economies in ways that are respectful to the environment and the well-being of society. Their main goal is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Currently, there are 97 cities on five continents who are members of the C40. Among them, Melbourne, Istanbul, Madrid, Rio de Janeiro, and San Francisco. The Alliance connects mayors and professionals to take climate action together involving other levels of government, the private sector, and the communities. It is a matter of collaborating efficiently, sharing knowledge, and fostering significant, measurable actions to mitigate the effects of climate change. It is a fact that urbanization concentrates people and activities. If we have a world where we're going to add 3 billion people, it will need to conserve both land and resources if we have people geographically concentrated. The alternative to have 3 billion people living in single-family homes or on 10-acre lots would massively encroach upon habitat, agriculture, and wildlife corridors. It's unrealistic at this point in history to have billions upon billions of people living in rural areas. There really isn't a promising alternative when it comes to housing a ballooning global population. We need to talk about urbanization as a challenge and an opportunity that we need to plan for. Cities of course use enormous amounts of resources and generate tremendous quantities of waste. But their environmental advantages are revealed when consumption statistics are reported on a per capita basis. A good example is a report from the office of the mayor of New York City found the average New Yorker consumes 74% less water, uses 35% less electricity, and produces 45% less garbage per person when compared to the average American. In addition to supporting specific, targeted urban biodiversity projects, such as protecting bees and other pollinators, and green spaces, city lawmakers, businesses, and residents can harness economies of scale for environmental benefit by, for example, ensuring that buildings are occupied at capacity to limit new construction, using low-carbon building materials, and improving public transportation to disincentivize private car ownership. As cities grow, so do their economies and the incomes of their inhabitants, and greater incomes often mean greater consumption. But as urbanites become wealthier, more educated, and eco-minded, they can be pickier about the sustainability of their purchases and they can be incentivized to do so by regulation, economic policy and social norms. Still, cities have a leakage effect where consumption is no longer local as it would be in rural areas and instead draws on global supply chains. That means many cities are sourcing and transporting materials from around the world which hurts biodiversity and the health of ecosystems. C40 concluded that 85% of the emissions associated with goods and services consumed in cities are generated elsewhere, 85%. But many urban planners believe we will reach an inflection point at which this extraction of resources will stabilize and eventually decline. An important factor will be lower fertility rates, a natural product of increasing urbanization. Those living in cities have access to better education and employment opportunities which create greater autonomy for women. When women gain control over their reproductive rights the birth rate goes down no matter which city they are in or which political system they're under or which religion they have. We may already be seeing this effect taking place Estimates for population growth in 2100 have dropped from 11 billion to 10 billion people. The rate of population growth is falling, which gives us a glimmer of hope. Fewer children means a slowing of population growth and eventually an easing on natural resources. For cities to really make a positive impact on the world's natural environment, they need to be designed and governed correctly. Taipei, the capital of Taiwan, is a good example. It's a high-density city with efficient public transportation, efficient waste management, and high bikeability compared to other densely populated Asian cities. Taipei turns out far fewer pollutants. But many countries don't have the effective land governance nor resources to build denser housing and subsidize efficient and accessible public transportation. Without strong governments, urbanization won't already help battered nearby ecosystems. In a lot of places where there are biodiversity hotspots, we see urbanization that is more like suburbanization. This is very much the case in Africa and parts of South Asia, where a vast majority of new urbanization is expected to take place. Such sprawl gobbles up more sensitive natural habitat and forces people to drive longer distances, increasing emissions. With sub-Saharan Africa expected to double its population over the next 30 years, we are urging leaders and NGOs in developed nations to help guide sustainable growth in new burgeoning cities there. The overarching question is, can any of this be done fast enough? Urbanization may prove a surprising antidote to today's troubling environmental trends, but what happens in the eighty years between now and the turning point will be of vital importance for the Earth's ecosystems and to the eight hundred million people living in low-lying coastal areas at risk from sea level rise. Nature is getting destroyed and consumed at an unprecedented rate. We're in the middle of a global environmental crisis. On the other hand, with the end of the fossil fuel era in sight, for the first time in the history of modern humans, we're headed to a point where we are laying the foundations for the sustained recovery of the living, natural world. I know these problems and solutions are vast, broad, and complex, but that's the nature of the beast we have created and are now trying to tame. On the Green Elephant webpage linked in the show notes, we have included a skyscraper's worth of information and resources and opportunities for you to join this new urban revolution. If that doesn't light up your bippy, we have, oh, only maybe a thousand ideas and prospects in our resource guide, A Call to Act. A Call to Act is a comprehensive online encyclopedia of eco-solutions. It is a well-organized, thoughtfully laid-out resource of hundreds of climate and environmental groups to join and eco-actions to be taken. I seriously encourage you to take a look at it. It is awesome in its scope, and it is genuinely inspirational. This is also linked in the show notes. It's good to be back and working to restore our good green earth.